Welcome to Soberholic, a podcast about Christian recovery, where each week we explore topics that can free you from bondage and strengthen your relationship with God, others, and yourself. Now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. All right, welcome to Soberholic Podcast. We're back for another episode, and we have a very special guest with us. We have Pastor Adam Montgomery here with us. And I've been looking forward to this one all week because Adam, he doesn't even know this, and I'm going to sound like a fanboy here, but I'm going to do it anyway. He's one of my favorite preachers that I listen to regularly, and the first time I actually heard you preach was at a funeral, and I was like, I was going to this funeral at your church, and I was not expecting to hear, you don't usually go to a funeral expecting to hear like, wonderful preaching right. but like if i wouldn't already been saved like i would have gotten saved that funeral, man. i'm telling you i was like what in the world it was awesome i was i was ready to go to heaven at the after I, that i bet you wasn't expecting to hear that somebody had been listening to you from a funeral huh? no no absolutely <laughs> well not. now with like you know social media and your your church is just right down the road from us and you're in the same community where my mom lives and everything I kind of keep up and watch some of your messages online because everybody's live streaming now. That's the one good thing about all this COVID stuff is I get to watch all these different uh, pastors, you know, preach that I, beforehand I wouldn't have ever, you know, uh, gotten to see before. But but anyway, I kind of, uh, you know, just wanted to – after I heard you preach, I was like, man, they have a really good pastor there at that church. And then, like, it was like two weeks later – I heard your testimony on one of our local Christian radio stations, and I was like, whoa, that is cool, you know, that he has a, a testimony of recovery. And so ever since then, I've wanted to have you on the show. That, that's the reason you like the preaching. Yeah. Oh, well, no. <laughs> you I identified like, with it right off the get-go. I liked the preaching before I even knew that he was in, you know, a testimony of recovery. That's the reason you liked it, because he already had the recovery roots to it, whether or not – you knew it or not. It was there was something there. there. Yeah, I could there, tell. There was yes, there. Definitely anointed preacher. Yeah. But glad to have you here, Adam. Well, man, it's such a privilege. I, I appreciate the invite and uh, pastoring something I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be doing. So uh, mm-hmm. even when they called and asked me if I'd consider it, I was thinking these folks are crazy. You know, that never imagined this is the direction God would take my life. Um, really, uh, 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago, was broken, lost, trapped in addiction. It really had no hope for living. If, if I'd have died that day, it wouldn't have broke my heart any. I, I really had given up on everything. Um, DHR had taken my daughter. My marriage was a Jerry Springer show. <laughs> uh, literally, <laughs> we had chairs to throw. They was being thrown. It, it was just as broken as broken can be. And uh, as I look back on that time in life, I, I see where God had been pursuing me. I, I remember a time when I was 17 that I got arrested, was facing a lot of time. And, and I prayed that prayer, God, if you'll get me out of this, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that. Well, needless to say, he heard me and I didn't follow through with my promises. And, and from the moment I left that jail until uh, I ended up in recovery, uh, he was pursuing me. I couldn't get away with anything. I could jaywalk and I'd go to jail for, <laughs> for, for 90 days. And, and it was just crazy how he just continually pursued me. Then I couldn't see it, but looking back now, I see the love of a father. I seen him pursuing me and keeping his hand upon my life all the way to the point to where I think of Jonah. When Jonah uh, got thrown in the well, the Bible says that when his soul had fainted within him, he remembered the Lord. Well, God allowed me to get to that point to where my soul 
fainted with in me. I, I said a prayer one night. I said, God, look, if you don't do something, I will. The only something I knew to do was take my life, take my wife's life, and just throw the towel in. It just gotten that dark wow. and that bad that I didn't see any way out. Well, I said that prayer, and within 12 hours, a task force kicked the door in. And me and my wife both ended up in jail facing 20 years on a manufacturing first-degree charge. And I'm sitting in jail and excited to be in jail. If that tells you how broken I'd gotten is just to where that was a relief. I could mm. breathe that uh, mm. all the pressure and weight of the life that I'd been stuck in had been lifted. Mm. And, and I got there, and I said, okay, if this is what it takes, so be it. And little did I know God had his hand in that. He put us in front of a God-fearing judge that looked at our Jerry Springer show and still <laughs> said that, hey, I'm going to send you all to a place called the Center of Hope in Anniston, Alabama, which is a 12-month in-house, 100% uh, biblical-based recovery center. And uh, God worked it out to where we went. She actually went a day before I did. And, you know, me, I was selfish. I asked why in the world is she there before me? And uh, they finally get me there. Well, about two weeks passed, and I found out why. Uh, the program director come to me and says, Adam, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but we don't allow married couples in the program. Mm. And I said, well, man, I tell you what. I said, I've been married at that time eight years. I said, if I could fix it, it'd be fixed. I said, so if God can't fix it, send me back to jail. Let her stay. They made a decision to let us stay, and me and my wife ended up being the first married couple to go through this wow. program and graduate uh, ever. And now married couples are allowed in this program that's a big deal because they were a pretty established recovery program right? they were they had been there about four years at that time mm -hmm. and uh well me and my wife we come in like i said dhr taking our children we had lost everything i literally had somebody else's clothes on because the jail lost mine when i showed up there had nothing they give a voucher for underwear you know what i mean yeah. just wow. uh, whatever they could give is what we had and and uh uh, this program, the way that it's based, is just to break down God's Word and, and begin to share with you that, hey, you're not your past. Your past doesn't define you, that God's already defined you and teaches that anybody that's in Christ is a new creation. And I needed that. I, I couldn't fix the old me. He was too far gone. He was too broken. But as they began to share the love of Christ with me and put me around people that had been where I've been, had gone through the things that I'd gone through, and I could see that there here's proof in front of me that I'm not just daring to believe that this religion's true, but I, I'm seeing with my own eyes that something's happened mm. in somebody's life. And, uh, man, that just inspired me. And it got me to a place to where, at first, I was trying to fix it myself. I was trying to put my hands on I was finally sober. I, I wanted to be a husband. I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be a son. All these things that I hadn't been all these years, I wanted to be. So here I am trying to put my hands on it. And finally, I was about to pull my hair out. Man, I couldn't. Once again, I couldn't fix it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't change my mess. I made it, but I mm -hmm. couldn't change it. I couldn't fix it. And I finally threw my hands up. God had got me to a place. First and foremost, when my soul fainted, to where I looked to him, I remembered the Lord. Then he set me down in a place where I could be fed his word. And he got me to this place again to where, okay, I realized I need a Savior. Mm -hmm. I, I can't do it. And I threw my hands up. And I remember being in the back of that sanctuary. And if you had asked me the day before, Adam, are you saved? I probably would have said, yeah. But this was the day of my salvation. Mm -hmm. Because this was the day that I finally threw my hands up and said, God, you know what? If I got to go to prison for 20 years, I'm going to serve you in prison. Mm -hmm. God, as badly as I want my wife back, if I don't get her back, I'm going to serve you. God, as badly as I want to see my little girl grow up, God, if I don't see her again, I'm going to serve you. And that's, that's hard to say, much less mean. Mm -hmm. But he got me to that place in my heart to where I meant it. 
that where God is about you now. It's not about me. And I surrendered my life to the Lord at that moment. It didn't turn into a Disney movie. You know, that's when the work began. That's when he began to expose all the crap within me. And he began to change me from the inside out and began to teach me how to be the husband, how to be the man, how to be the father that I needed to be. And it was a process. And once when we walked in this door, my marriage, like I said, when I say Jerry Springer, that's light. It, it, was a, it was a mess. I mean, we were broken. She had a boyfriend. I had a girlfriend. Now, here we are both in this program where we can't even talk to each other. Right. We can't look at each other. We can't talk to each other. We can't ride each other. This is a year-long program. What, and you expect for this to be fixed? No, I, I was thinking there's no way this can be fixed. Mm-hmm. But little did I know, God, through this process, as he was shaping me, he was shaping her, and he was putting pieces in place I couldn't see. And about 10 or 11 months into this program, God opened up the door and put us together to where we could finally sit down and have a conversation. And you would think, man, there's so much that's going to have to be fixed in this moment. And little did I know that God had already fixed it. He had changed her. He had changed me. And then through us walking through this program, learning how to put God first in our life and be doers of the word, he had changed her heart. He had changed my heart. And when he put us back together, there wasn't nothing to fix. Our marriage was restored. So that 10 or 11 months you were going through that, um, she was doing her recovery. You were doing yours. Did you have conversation at all? Through we that? didn't. So you didn't know if didn't. she was doing it or the, the way this program operates is the men and women, they're there together in separate dorms. Mm-hmm. And they may be in class at the same time, but they're separated. And there's mm-hmm. zero tolerance. You can't even look at them. Uh-huh. And then us being the only married couple there, we're being watched, you mm-hmm. know. So there wasn't no oh, yeah. conversation. There wasn't no talking. There wasn't no trying to fix anything at this point. It, it had to be 100% God. But little did I know, he could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so all the way back to that salvation prayer, when was that when you did that? I know you That was about three months into the program. We had spent, you know, some months in jail prior to going to the program. I was in the program for probably a few months when that happened. When so I, when you said, Lord, I'm going to do it for you, I'm not going to do it for her, my child, any of those things, literally you, you gave it to him. Right? Amen. This, it, is, this is me, me and you. Huh? Yeah, yes, sir. Cool deal. And it wasn't like the next week when, okay, I got my wife back. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it was months later. Right. So we had to mean it. You had mm-hmm. to walk out what you said. And, mm-hmm. But he was faithful. He did more with it than, than I was able to do. He, he did more in 10 months than I was able to do in eight years. You know what I mean? Right. And In August, we'll actually celebrate our 20 years marriage anniversary wow. so congratulations uh, god has restored he put it back together uh we stepped in front of a dhr judge with all the odds stacked against us that's a story in itself i know we don't have time for but we had all the odds stacked against us there was no reason why with the the background that we had that they should help us but yet we ended up with full cover or uh, full custody of our daughter and we missed her first steps in a program we missed her first words but we didn't miss leading her to christ you know mm. what i mean and yeah. we've got to enjoy that and watch that and god's blessed us with another daughter since that that we've watched god heal her of four-stage cancer she had 12 wow. tumors in her body cancer in her bones and god took care of her and we've got to watch her grow up in the lord and and it's just amazing what god can do if we'll just let him but we stepped in front of a criminal judge once again all odds stacked against us this is yeah when you get sober all that stuff don't just go away <laughs> it does it does you, you gotta <laughs> face it and and man that was tough but we had a hard-nosed judge but he was a fair judge and we stepped in front of this judge had the da saying hey they need to go to prison was against us and watch god turn and say no this ain't gonna happen this way and i'd been telling people uh, leading up to this day hey god blesses obedience and this judge with the da saying hey send him to prison mm-hmm. turn and tells the da to hush and says no i'm gonna bless their obedience and i said 
Amen. 20 wow. years turned into three years probation. Wow. About six years ago, was able to go get a full pardon. So all that stuff has been took oh, care of. Two and, now. Yeah. Hey, hey, amen. He applied for one. I just amen. applied for one, yeah. He is faithful. And, you know, we, we graduated this program. Like I said, when we walked in the door, you know, we had nothing. You know, absolutely nothing. Uh, even to the point of getting to graduation, we knew our marriage was restored, but we didn't know where we was going to go, what right. we was going to do. And uh, the night before graduation, Pastor Gary from there actually came to me and offered me and my wife both a position in the ministry. And mm-hmm. he hired us both on full time. Mm-hmm. Had another pastor in the church say, hey, y'all come live with me till you can get on your feet. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we ended up working in that ministry for probably 11 years. Oh, wow. Uh, started out running a store for him. Uh, when I left there to come to Reno, I was assistant director of the program. Uh, and this is a 300-person uh, program with a 900-person church. And just awesome to be able to be pulled into that type of ministry, too, to where, just as I said before, God put me around somebody that I could relate to to help me overcome where I'd been. Well, he gave me that opportunity to take all the things I used to look in the mirror and hate myself over, all the things that the enemy used to beat me down with, and he started using it to help other people come out of the gutter. And it was just amazing to watch him take a mess and turn it into a message that could mm-hmm. that could help somebody. Right. And then... I uh, actually had a student from the program. I had an opportunity to uh, counsel him when he first came in, led him to the Lord, and he was about to graduate. And he asked me, Adam, I'm going down to our home church, and I'm going to share my testimony. Do you mind going with me? And I said, sure. Well, I go with the intent of just being a bystander, just to be support, you know. Mm-hmm. And he shares his, and they asked me to share mine. And I share my testimony, and and uh Pastor Roscoe actually yeah. come to me a little later and told me, said, after the first time I heard you speak, I knew I'd heard my replacement. Mm-hmm. And this guy turns in his resignation after, the, after he'd heard me speak, turns in his resignation and begins to retire. And then they approach me with, with the opportunity to be their pastor. And like I said, I'm thinking these folks are, are crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that I thought, hey, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. We had just bought a home. I had a side business. It was just running smooth finally. Yeah. Everything seemed to have just come together and then get hit with this. And, yeah. and I'm thinking, Lord, this is crazy. Right. And I, I even go to my wife thinking, you know what? She's going to flip. There's <laughs> no way she's going for this. Yeah. I just bought the home she wanted. You know, everything's just smooth that there's no way so that was my out so i go to my wife and i say baby look this is what's happened and she says well when do we go wow. i said oh man and and get this you know i, I struggled because we was you know coming out of the lifestyle we come out of man we was in our element you know when we're dealing with folks that's coming out of that i, I fit in right there mm-hmm. you know i didn't grow up in a traditional church i you know to do things this way was completely foreign to me mm-hmm. and you know it, it was a tough transition and and you know i was thinking lord this is crazy how are we going to do this we ended up selling the house we had purchased back to the person we bought it from we sold it back to him for a profit the profit was large enough it covered the down payment and the closing cost on the house that we're in that mm-hmm. it did it so well that there was a thousand dollars left over the only thing we had to purchase for the house was a water heater that cost us a thousand thirty five so he ended up uprooting <laughs> us move us two hours away and it only cost us thirty five dollars out of pocket to make it happen wow and it's just yeah, so, it, huh? so, so like we're during the 10 11 years that you were yes, working sir. for the center of hope like was the thought of maybe going into full-time ministry, was that even a thought for you? Well, it was full-time ministry. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. but as far as 
pastor in a church. No, absolutely not. That was the farthest thing from my mind. Even when they approached me, that was the farthest thing from my mind. Like I said, I, I figured I would be at the center the rest of my life. You know, that was my element. I oh, fit yeah. in, you know what I mean, that I, I could relate. And that just felt like where I was supposed to be. And when this time came, the Lord just made it so clear that it's either – Get out of the boat, or I'm gonna kick you out of the boat. Yeah. So whenever I moved here, I was I went to a faith based rehab in New Orleans, and whenever I was moving away, like I was kind of scared because the, being close and being connected to where I got sober at, it was kind of like a safety net, you know. And whenever I was moving up here, I was a little bit timid as far as you know how it's all going to work out. And then also, you know, I wasn't full-time in ministry when I was down there. And then coming into full-time ministry, it was a little bit scary, you know? Amen. It, it, it is. And, but luckily, the, the church we stepped into, Reno, man, it's got an amazing congregation. And, and they welcomed us in with open arms. And uh, it was a blessing that, that the introduction of who I was came through a testimony of telling them where I came from. Right. So there was no mystery. They knew right. what they was getting to begin with. And like you said, Roscoe can sing, and they knew he, they wouldn't get in that because yeah. I can't sing. <laughs> and yet they still welcomed us in with open arms, man. It's been such a, a blessing to us and, and helped us with this transition. Yeah. You know? well, well, how is this transition? Because from what it sounds like, and I don't know you other than what we've talked about so far, but based on what y'all just said, I know, like, I tell my pastor, I'm comfortable around recovery, folks. Like, suicide, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if you can ever be comfortable with it, but I understand it. I've been around I've been around the depression comes with it. Yeah. Needles and junkies yeah. and, you know, crackheads, those things, I'm comfortable yeah. around that, like <laughs> being around a kid, you know. I mean, I get that because I've been there myself. But you put me around a bunch of church people, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about this. Like, I'm un- I'm out of my element then. How's that transition no, work for you? I'm with you, and I, I've shared a lot of times that I, I get to go to the jail and share quite a bit, and I'm more comfortable in that environment <laughs> <laughs> that I am in the pulpit, and, and you know, it's it's amazing to, to even have the opportunity because it just shows the grace of God that, that to have somebody like me that came from where I come from preaching to people that's been in church longer than I've been alive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That if anything, they should be switching with me. Mm-hmm. But God's opened that door and, and, and shown that grace and gave that opportunity. But it is a tough transition. It's definitely foreign to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like going into another country, yeah, for real. Right. And but uh, the Lord's took it, and it, it's been a process. But He's He's growing the church and and getting people excited, including us. And so it's it's cool just to watch Him work and just to know that there's a purpose behind it. He didn't do it for no reason. Right. It wasn't because I'm not looking for a title or a position or none of those things. That mm-hmm. that wasn't even in uh, uh, my cards at all. As right. far as life goes, I was fine with where the Lord had me. And to know that He's went to this great of an extreme to put all these pieces in place to make this work just fires me up because I know that He's up to something big. And I know without a doubt it's got to do with recovery mm-hmm. because the Lord hadn't brought me from where He's brought me from not to use where mm-hmm. I've been. And, right. and I'm I'm not proud of where I've been, but I'm not ashamed of where he's brought me. So yes. I want to use that the rest of my life because mm-hmm. there's people out there stuck and broken and lost and think there's no way out. And yeah. you know what? What better way for God to say, yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. Look at these guys. You yeah. know what I mean? Look what I did with them. If I can change their life, I can change anybody's life. And he's been doing that since biblical times. He's took people like Paul and, and they was kicking in the doors of Christians and doing all the things that he was doing to say, hey, this is the guy I choose to write two-thirds of the New Testament. But, you know, right, right. That, 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 man, that's what he does. He's in the business of blowing people's minds through people <laughs> like us, right. you know. 
And well, here's a question I got for you because um, what I know of Center of Hope, um, they are faith based, and some faith based will will say they're twelve step based, but still be faith based. But I don't believe they're twelve step based. Correct? No, sir, they're not. All right. So a lot of the conversation, we're not just twelve steppers here, but me and Jason have both been through twelve steps and through Celebrate Recovery, through AA, through those those avenues, and so we're very familiar with those things. And oftentimes, that's the, the guest we have is someone who's been twelve steps. So I'm curious of how that has look for you um in sobriety i understand of course whether it's 12 step or not god is the ultimate change in our lives but um you know usually um like say for 12 step you've got to be willing to be to admit you're powerless that your life is unmanageable you've got to be willing to take an inventory yourself you've got to be worked through uh forgiveness issues of people who've offended you and those you offended and make amends to those does it look like that through your well, recovery? Or? Ultimately, that's biblical. So it's, it's not a 12-step thing. That's right. a biblical thing. that We've got to know we're in need of a, a Savior or we never get to that brokenness where we look to Jesus. And then when we come to Jesus, he's going to search our heart. He's going to test us, and he's going to expose these things in our life that doesn't match his character or his word. Well, that often is unforgiveness or things that we've faulted and done against people mm-hmm. that he's going to bring to the surface and bring to light that you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of walking in a relationship with Christ. The closer you get to him, the more that mess is exposed. And uh, I tell you, the part that, that really helped me is, is like I said uh, before, is that anybody that's in Christ is a new creation. You know, for me to think that I could fix the old me overwhelmed me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What I needed to know is that I could have a do-over. Mm-hmm. That I could have a fresh start where I didn't have to try to go fix all the mess that he made. Not that we don't make amends because those things are still there. Mm-hmm. Those things do have to be addressed and took care of. But what I didn't want to have to do is try to fix me. I can go apologize and go do the things that need to be done. But to try to take that guy that I was and make something out of him just seemed impossible. And then God's word shows us that anybody's in Christ is a new creation. That the old is gone, behold, the new has come. And what that tells me is that old man can die. And I can have a fresh start, and I can move forward. Now there's light at the end of the tunnel. And that helped me more than anything, was just knowing that he'll cast my sins as far as the east is from the west, knowing that he'll blot them out for his own sake and not remember them no more, and that he would make me new. And that newness would give me a fresh start to be that daddy, to be that husband, to be that father, to be that son that I desired to be, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and and we see in the Bible that it even discipleship, we, we kind of look at the 12 steps as kind of a discipleship model in it and of is. itself. And that we, so we see that process, and, and I've heard you say it a couple of times now before we even start talking about this, that it was a process. And so we see that in the Bible, too. Yeah, so ultimately what I'm hearing is that, and I've heard this said by many people in different ways, but our identity is not found in our past failures. It's who we are in Christ. That's it. And um, I know for a guy like me, Jason and I have talked several times that I was so resentful against God. I blamed him for so many things in my life. Um, I had, I wanted nothing to do with your Jesus. Um, you know, and that's the way it was at the beginning for me. Uh, but it took me being around other people who spoke life into me and th- that I could see something different about them. And what was so different about them was what was different was they had Jesus. You know, that, that was the difference I seen. Have you seen people like that either through the program, through your church, um, they have just struggled with the concept of of just Jesus. That you know, when we bring in the religion aspect of it. Yeah. Well, you know, being in that program for so many years, I mean, you see 
people come from all different backgrounds and all different types of burdens and weights. And, and, and what we've seen change them is I think it was John Maxwell that said, people don't care what you know till they know that you care. Mm-hmm. So as somebody comes in the door, and especially somewhere this 12 months, really give somebody a time to unpack, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and, and really get to a place where they'll open up and just loving them and encourage mm-hmm. them. Hey, if they believe in whatever they believe in when they walk in the door, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to beat you down. With the Bible, I want to love you. You know what I mean? And if I love you long enough, well, you're going to see Jesus in me because God is love. So ultimately, that was always the barrier breaker for someone that's searching. Now, somebody that's just not searching, that that really has no care uh, of that whatsoever, that's a different story. But somebody that's broken, somebody that's hurting, and they're searching. They just don't know what they're searching for. Loving them is the way to get them to Jesus. Yeah, that, that's really true for me. I found that with the sponsors I worked with, and, and, and it was the way I was treated, people accept, accepted me the way I was. They didn't accept the sin in my life and the things I had done, but they accepted me to be where I was at. And that was enough for me to realize that people loved me yeah. enough that I could change. Um, you mentioned about your your child, two children. You got two daughters. So one of them you mentioned DHR. I've got the past with DHR myself, and I could have a whole story like yeah. you on that. <laughs> but um, it sounded like you, your youngest had just taken its first steps when you were in recovery. Uh, my oldest. Your oldest. Yeah, she okay. was six months old. So that means. Has it, have your children experienced you as a drug addict, and they experienced you? Well, my oldest daughter, you know, she was a baby, mm-hmm. so she, praise the Lord that she didn't. I thank God for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my youngest daughter, she's heard stories. Now, it's not we don't keep it from them. Mm-hmm. You know, they they know our background. Same they know where we come from. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's not something we hid. Plus, being in the Center of Hope Ministry, they come in contact with people that are struggling and coming wow. through yeah. that process. So they've mm-hmm. seen people pass away. They've seen people not make it. They've seen people do well. So mm-hmm. you know, those questions that are risen in that process we've answered honestly and we've even answered honestly where we've come from so that they know when we say hey you shouldn't take that route we're not just trying to tell you what to do we've been there so they know exactly where we've been even um our oldest daughter as far as dhr she knows all of that that's really good because our, our children are the same way. We're very open with them. Well, they've seen us do ministry for so long. I mean, it's just common yeah. um, to have somebody on our couch or something like yeah, that. Um, you know, so they've seen that and they've asked questions, and we've been really good not to glorify them old days because there yeah. was some fun times. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. We, I, I, all of it wasn't courts and cops, you know. <laughs> uh, there was some times I had fun, and so we're, we're quick not to, to – to make fun of those or make light of those times. But I tell my kids this for the reasons I, I want them to know there's a good possibility. If you go dabble in that, you'll end up where I, where I did. Yeah. And I want you to be prepared to know that don't go do it. And say, well, you didn't tell me. Yeah. And I don't know if you believe that or not, but I just personally believe there's a, a possibility, a greater possibility that my kids, if they go try the things that I did, that they could go down that road a lot easier than, the other yeah. kids good well I, I believe that those generational curses have been broken mm-hmm. but I, i'm with you i mean mm-hmm. they don't need to take that route mm-hmm. i mean just think of where it took us mm-hmm. i mean if there could be a bottom i, I found the basement to that bottom, <laughs> you know and, and it didn't take long it, and so i, I agree with you 100 percent. i'd hate to see my children go that way and and that's like you said one of the reasons we just straight up honest with them mm-hmm. so that they understand the reality of it and know you know Awesome. When I hear your story, I see a miracle in front of us. I see God 
taking someone's failures and making them his assets. Amen. Something that we, we say on the program all the time, that no pain is wasted in God's kingdom. Amen. And so I see God strategically positioning you in ministry to be able to help people um, and, and to sh- give them hope, you know, that, that you can come out of this and you can, you can walk out of the darkness and into the light and and be and 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 have uh deliverance from addiction Amen. and so i just i just praise the lord that that he's done that for you and that um you know he's using you in his kingdom so um let's let's go ahead and like we do with every guest we end with the final four questions that i did send this time <laughs> i'm so proud of you you get so, you're getting so better at this after yeah. two years right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so here's the first question can you name a book other than the Bible, a book, movie, or podcast that has changed the way you look at an area of your life? Uh, if I had to, uh, there's two. One's Radical by David Platt. That, oh, yeah. That this really stirred me, you know, to get outside of, of just, you know, a seat cover type of uh, religion, you know, to where we're actually being doers of God's word. But another one uh, was Experiencing God by mm-hmm. Henry Blackaby. And, you know, it really opens up the windows to how to communicate with God, how you hear from the Lord and how he speaks to you through other people, the church and circumstances and how he's pursuing a love relationship with you, man. That's just exciting to me to know that it's not just he's hoping one day I come. He's pursuing a love relationship with me, that he wants to involve me in his kingdom agenda and his purposes and his plans. And that's just awesome. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't grow up with a daddy. So knowing I got a daddy in heaven that, hey, he wants me to be a part of his family business. You know what I mean? It's just just awesome to me. That's yeah, good. yeah, those are great. Uh, number two, if you had a blank billboard to share advice with the world, what phrase would you put on it? You haven't gone too far. Mm. Oh, I like that. I one. haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, good. I like that one. For so long, you know, I thought I'd went too far. Even when I come to know the Lord, I thought I'd went too far. I thought I'd made too many mistakes, and the Lord spoke to my heart one day, and He said, "Whose opinion are you going to believe?" Mm. Yours or mine, mm. and, you know, and that 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 got me for real because his opinion of me is a lot greater than my opinion of me, mm. and uh, or man, the opinions of others, other opinions of <laughs> others, or what our rap sheet says. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That, mm. that uh, uh, and that just really changed my perception of things for real. Yeah, that's powerful. Number three, when talking about the twelve steps, um, or principles, or whatever yeah. you know, principles of recovery. What's your favorite one? Well, I, I I had to look them up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I had to look them up. But we number, th- we actually like talking to people who didn't work the twelve steps yeah. in their recovery because we don't think that there's just one way to recover. Right? Amen. Well, we all know that the the one way is Jesus, right? right? Yeah. And whatever route you take to get to Jesus, then praise the Lord. You know mm-hmm. that, that He'll do it when you get to Him. He can break those chains. Uh, but it was the third one where it says that I've. Uh, surrendered my life and will uh, to the care of the Lord. And mm. the best thing I could have ever done, mm. you know, was surrender my life and my will unto him. And I shared with you the time in the back of a sanctuary right. where, God, it ain't about me no more. And, man, he sure showed up and showed out with that decision. And, and I'll never regret it. I, I'm reaping the benefits of it even now. Right. Mm. Thankful for it. That's great. And then the last question is just how can people reach you? Um, we're on Facebook. It's under me and my wife's name, Adam Amanda Montgomery, uh, on Facebook. Also, Reno Church is on Facebook. We uh we try to live stream all our services, as you so yeah. kindly uh-huh. shared. Oh, yeah. that, that's a blessing to know in. that you've been watching, man. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, Reno Baptist Church at uh, gmail.com. Love to hear from you. 
Awesome. And what's tell them the uh, the y'all's y'all's church's slogan or whatever that y'all always say. Oh, that Reno Baptist Church loves you and so do we, and the, or Jesus loves you and so do we. And there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, Amen. Amen. I like That's that good. One. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yes, sir. It's a privilege. Thank y'all so much. Well, that brings us to another one, man. It does. I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.